PML. This demand does a lot more harm than good. It's a powerful shame amplifier, packed with shoulds. And the last thing males need is more shaming, more degradation for not making the grade. Men and boys who are on the receiving end of be a man get the message that they are lurking in certain factors that supposedly constitute maleness. And what are these factors? Showing no weakness, emotional stoicism, aggressiveness, holding it together and not losing face, no matter what's going on, sucking it up. Think of what pride boys may feel when they're successful at this, especially when they're strong enough to not cry or show any signs of vulnerability. A manly handshake is a firm one, even a steely one. A manly approach means, among other things, keeping it together emotionally. Not losing one's cool. To be unmanned is to lose it emotionally. Except when it comes to anger, of course. Such a loss of face often being taken to mean a loss of strength. When Abraham Lincoln couldn't help crying publicly over the killing of a friend, he described his very visible upset as having unmanned him. To be unmanned means being visibly vulnerable, being ballless, chickened out, being brought low by shame, being subservient to dominant others. To man up is an expression originally used in football and military context and means much more than toughen up move into battle grow a pair with the apparent failure to do so often resulting in a male getting referred to as a girl or lady which in this context epitomize softness equated in the male mind with weakness imagine a masculine icon a famous leader or athlete, not just messing up, not just shedding a few silent tears and fighting back his tears, but crying hard and with abandon. This would be very, very uncomfortable for all too many men to watch, no matter how understandable the sickness or the grief was. Men may respond to the exhortation, be a man by getting harder or tougher, more ruthlessly driven, more competitive, more uncaring about their unresolved wounds, making getting over it more important than feeling it or going through it. Conversely, men might also respond to the exhortation, be a man, by rebelling against its certainties of what it constitutes a man driving their hardness and competitive into the shadows, making too much virtue out of their softness and more 
feminine qualities. But in either case, they are reacting to whatever notion of manhood has been or is being authority held aloft before them, defining themselves through and impaling themselves upon such reactivity. So let's consider other factors and qualities that ought to, but generally don't count for much in making a male a real man. Factors that many men keep in the shadows. Vulnerability. Empathy. Emotional transparency and literacy. The capacity for relational intimacy. All qualities more commonly associated with being male, with female, being female than male. The visible presence of these soft qualities induces far more discomfort in most men than the hard ones do. But once they are brought out into the open, respected and honored, which takes courage, they can coexist with the capacity to express anger skillfully and take strongly directed action, empowering in men that in men that serve everyone's highest good. The true masculine power is rooted in this dynamic blend of soft and hard attributes, showing up as a potent alignment of head, heart, and guts. When head, which is thinking, rationality analysis heart which is caring compassion love guts which is resolve resilience and bravery all inform each other and work together a truly healthy manhood can arise and help but arise getting to such power requires facing outgrowing less than healthy forms of power this is the great beauty and much to celebrate when men step more fully into their authentic manhood. A beauty at once rough and tender, caring and fierce, raw and subtle, anchoring in standing one's true ground, whatever the weather. Softening does not necessarily mean emasculation. Many boys are subject to the demand, be a man or man up from an early age. Such pressure, however well-meaning, can shame and harden the boy well before he reaches adolescence, shrinking him emotionally, making him shun softness and overvalue performance and the appearance of having it together. Showing vulnerability may invite jibes about being less than masculine. Many a boy has had to force himself to learn not a story, not to cry, or show tenderness in order to become one of the boys, rather than reject than a reject or someone to shun. Softness is really associated with manliness except perhaps in superficial, tightly controlled ways. What is commonly associated with us is weakness and being feminine. 
and not just in conventionally masculine context. The kick-ass militaristic warrior heroines of contemporary cinema usually are just as hard and removed from softness, read weakness, as their male counterparts. Telling a man that is soft is usually far from a compliment. Softness or perceived softness is ordinarily taken to be a failing for men and boys and youths, a sign of being gutless and spineless, a damning proof of emasculation. No wonder so many men take pains to not appear soft, except perhaps for noiselessly shedding a few tears at certain events such as funerals or the retirement press conference of an admired athlete. Softness in a man is also very commonly equated with sexual failure and inability to get it up or keep it up. A hard not to notice failure to stay hard. More than a few men refer to their genitals as their manhood. Not being able to sustain a reaction that is being soft easily gets associated with the loss of manhood. Men nonetheless need to soften and also to strip softening of its negative connotations. Yes, a man can be overly soft maroon from power and the capacity for rock solid firmness but softness itself makes possible vulnerability empathy compassion emotional literacy and genuinely deep connections with others softness does not necessarily mean an absence of courage to be unapologetically vulnerable is not to be a man but to be deepened in your manhood. Softening can be a profoundly healing undertaking, helping to make more room for pain and difficulty, enriching a man's capacity for deep relationship, rendering him more flexible and permeable, more heartful, especially when that softening coexists with steadfastness and firmness. An example of such coexistence can be seen in fierce compassion, where both the forceful and the soft, both angered and caring. Shame left unattended is shame that runs us, that ruins us, and runs us. Be a man. May seem a straightforward statement, but it is packed to varying degrees with pressures and expectations. Often an in-your-face shaming, the delivery of which can alienate men from much of their basic humanity. Such alienation has enormous consequences. When we are thus cut off emotionally and, rela- and relationally disconnected or numbed, we are far more capable of dehumanizing activity, far more able to rationalize harmful behavior, far more likely to get caught up in abuses of power and sex, 
but nothing can truly compensate for what's being lost through such disconnection and numbing. This association from one's soul, one's individuated essence and core of being is hell, regardless of one's comforts and distractions. And all too many men are suffering this, doing little more than just getting by or dutifully manning up. There is such pain in the drivenness to be a man, such deep and often debilitating hurt. However much it might be camouflaged by stoicism, excessive pride, apparent sexual prowess, aggression and conventional success, men in general are hurting far more than they're showing. And everyone is paying the price for this. Regardless of gender, age, nationality, and occupation or occupation, attempts to address this have barely made a dent in the conventional armoring of manhood. One key reason is that such effort can, however intentionally, shame men for not meeting yet further standards of what a man ought to be. Until such shame, and shame in general, is recognized and understood, it will dominate men's emotional and relational lives, obstructing their capacity to face and work through their unresolved wounding. Shame left unattended, shame left in the shadows, is shame that will run us from behind the scenes disempowering us and determining far more of our behavior than we might imagine. To tell a man or boy to be a man carries the implication that he is not enough of a man or enough of a person that he is not measuring up. Not only is he being told that he is failing to meet a certain standard, a preset expectation or should but he is also being shamed for this, however subtly or indirectly. This shaming effect is really seen for what it is, being commonly viewed as just a kind of tough love, psychologically akin to spare the rod and spoil the child, especially in authoritarian and militaristic, militaristic context. And such shaming usually becomes internalized in the form of the inner critic, a heartlessly negative self-appraisal that originates in childhood, who waggles its finger in our face so often that its shaming for us, of us, becomes normalized. This internal drill sergeant, this love baron, relentless overseer wears us down through self-castigation even as it pushes us to be better to be more successful to be more of a man and if the delivery of such internalized self-shaming is sufficiently harsh we may lose much or all of our drive to better ourselves sinking to depression apathy 
and self-loathing so long as we leave our inner critic unquestioned and in charge. The pressure to be a man is generally little more than oppression in good intentions clothing. Such pressure, such insensitive and out of tune motivation and intensity is but unhealthy or toxic challenge. From an early age, boys thrive in the presence of healthy challenge. Non-shaming, age-appropriate, loving encouragement infused with a significant but safe degree of risk. Learning firsthand how to both extend their edge and respect their limits. But boys who are steered by overly zealous though thoroughly well-meaning parents and teachers into overachieving and being little men, often taking a premature responsibility, quickly learn to make a problem of whatever in them counters such parental ambitions and pressures, like their tenderness and empathy and vulnerability. Shame, aggression and sex. When a man feels crushed and disempowered by shame, or by being shamed, he's likely going to try get as far away from it as possible. Escaping, for example, into the compensatory power he feels through aggression. And why does escape? Because shame is a squirmingly uncomfortable and contracting emotion especially when it's directed not just at behavior but also at our very being quite understandably we want to get away from it as quickly as we can ordinarily doing so by shifting into other states such as numbness exaggerated detachment or aggression in females such aggression is more commonly directed at oneself but in males, it is more commonly directed at others. Men to tend to counteract the self-deflation that is felt through shame, falling short of what's expected of them. With the self-inflation, they feel by being aggressive, getting righteously pumped up. In such aggressiveness towards others, passive, dominating and otherwise, we usually feel more powerful, more in control. What more potent antidote to feeling crushed might a man feel than feeling his readily activated, adrenaline-fueled capacity to crush others, as though verbal abuse or physical violence can. Often, Statements like be a man or be man enough not only catalyze shame but also drive a man to prove himself. A drive put into high gear when our shame shifts to into aggression. The proving behavior that possesses so many males and that starts at an early age needs to be de-glamorized 
and not so unquestioningly equated with masculinity. But this can't be effectively done without addressing and working with the shame at its root. Aggression can make us feel better by beefing up our everyday sense of self. We're not down, but on top, closer to the top of the picking order. Even if we're low on the ladder, under unpleasant circumstances, we usually keep ourselves above some others who are lower in the picking order than we are. We can also fantasize, perhaps very aggressively, about overpowering those who are above us in the hierarchy. And what else can feel, make us feel better in a hurry? especially when you haven't been feeling so good about ourselves. Sex, of course. All the pressure and the shame of trying to be a certain kind of man, all the anxiety and tension that go with that, often can be briefly but potently erased very quickly through sex. And so, too, can the sense of not having much power or not being very important. So whatever feels man's sexual appetite, whatever amplifies it, whatever keeps it front and central, can easily take on exaggerated emphasis. As it's so lavishly illustrated by our culture's sexual obsession. How it is easy how easy it is to burden sex with the obligation to make us feel better and more secure and more manly. Pornography has become one hell of an epidemic, sucking vast numbers of men into its images and ejaculatory dreams, hooking up mind and genitals in dramas that turn relational connection into a no-man's land where sexual arousal and discharge reign supreme. The power that so many men give to pornography and to what it promises not only cripples their capacity for real intimacy but also keeps their underlying wounding cut off from the healing it needs. Pornography flattens and emasculates men, obstructing their ability to evolve into deeper manhood. However, mere condemning pornography is not the solution. Anymore, than being overly tolerant of it is. As if any restriction on things sexual was somehow an infringement of our freedom. We need to outgrow our need for pornography, including using it as a solution to our pain and unresolved wounds. In the unhealthy, in the unhealthy forms, shame, power and sex are at the core of male dysfunction simultaneously possessing and crippling many men shame that crushes and shrinks power especially in the form of aggression that inflates and dominates sex that compensates and distracts this holy triumvirate usurps the throne of self in a great number of men obstructing them from taking the journey that can restore their integrity, dignity, and capacity for real intimacy. To our true masculine power, many men are at war. At war with life, 
with each other, with themselves, consumed by the fight to win at work and elsewhere. Bloodless war is still war, still an arena where the battle is fought with whatever weapons are at hand. A victorious and mythic moment may, may feature some full out exaltation, but also a stand of standing over the defeated team as if on some bloody battlefield. Our entire culture is permeated with the language of war. The war on drugs, the war on cancer, the war on poverty, the war on gender-based violence. We don't just die from cancer, we lose our battle with it. Warfare is all about oppositional extremes. As in much of conventional manhood, it is an endless list of things to conquer. What a burden. And what a diversion from embodying our our full humanity. What could be more packed with excitation, both positive and negative, than war? After all, it includes huge drama, huge stakes, tremendous challenges and risk, primal encounters, great danger, unusual camaraderie, and extremes of playing at the edge. I once uh, heard the story of a highly decorated Vietnam veteran, an officer of the highest caliber, who'd done plenty of time in battle. After a few sessions uh, with a therapist that took him to the core of his emotional wounding and required deep vulnerability on his part, he said that such work was more difficult than anything he had to do while in military, that he didn't want to stop doing it. It asked more of him. It gave him more. It further deepened him, bringing out a different warrior, kind of warrior, from him. One whose vulnerability was an obvious source of strength and relational intimacy, a crucible for breakthrough healing. True masculine power happens when courage, integrity, vulnerability, compassion, awareness, the capacity to take strong action are all functioning together. Such power is potent but not aggressive, challenging but not shaming, grounded but not rigid, forceful but not pushy. Again, it requires head, heart and guts in full-blooded alignment. Sometimes tell men who are venturing into work of assessing their true power that the journey they're beginning is one that requires a courage no less than that of a real battle. That calls forth from them a warriorhood as rooted in tenderness and relational openness as it is in facing and integrating one's monsters and shadow places. 
This is a true hero's journey of healing and awakening, connecting the dots of the past and the present emotionally as well as intellectually, encountering all that we've been and are. Along the way, we cultivate an intimacy with everything we are, high and low, dark and light, masculine and feminine, dying and undying for the benefit of one and all. This is the primal odyssey pulsating in every man's marrow, whether he embarks on it or not. There is a huge need for us to take this journey, not as one more should, but out of service to everyone. In this book, the aim is to illuminate and support this journey as much as possible provide navigational guidance for us to step more fully into our own authenticity and help deepen our capacity for taking wise care of our environment. I've seen many men suffer from shutting themselves out of their own depths, stranding themselves from what would enable them to have truly fulfilling relationships. Not just their empathy, vulnerability, and capacity for emotional literacy, but also their true power and resolve, their authenticity, their capacity to anchor themselves in real integrity. There is a deeper life for men, a life in which responsibility and freedom go hand in hand, upon and level upon level. A life in which happiness is rooted not in what we have, but in what we fundamentally are. It is such a life that this book is dedicated. This is a reading of the introduction of the book called To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power.